Amen. Let us turn together in God's word to Ephesians and to the chapter 3, Paul's letter to the Ephesians and to the chapter 3. Just going to move down this portion of God's word to the 14th verse, Ephesians chapter 3 and the verse 14. And it becomes very clear that the Apostle Paul is in prayer. And he shows us here something of what he was praying for concerning the Ephesians. And so Ephesians 3 and the verse 14, the Apostle Paul writes, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Amen. May the Lord add his own blessing to this reading from his own precious and infallible word. We draw your attention this evening to words that appear there in the 18th verse. And as Paul contemplates the love of God, he's praying for God's people, in verse 18, that they may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And in this verse of Scripture, we have the dimensions of God's love, the dimensions of God's love. The breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. And as we think about that this evening, it comes in the context of prayer. The Apostle Paul has been praying for God's people. And he has been praying with some specific petitions in mind. And as we read down this portion of Scripture the various petitions that the apostle offers in prayer are marked by the word that. And you can see there in the verse 16, he's praying that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. And so as Paul prayed for the Ephesian believers, he was praying for their strengthening and with particular reference to the inner man, strengthened with might by his spirit 
in the inner man. Then in verse 17, the word that occurs twice in that verse, and you have two further petitions that the apostle offers in prayer, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, and then that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. And then there's another that in verse 19, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. There's something of a little insight into the prayer life of the Apostle Paul and what he would petition the throne of grace for on behalf of those Ephesian believers. And as he's praying, he is taken up with the greatest subject of all. He is taken up with the love of God in Christ. And he's considering that love being experienced by the Christian. There's sometimes in the Word of God when we come across that greatest of all subjects that there's a declaration of the love of God. Like John 3, chapter 16, that great declaration on the love of God. God so loved the world. There are other times when the love of God is the subject that it concerns the direction of God's love. God commendeth his love toward us. And there's the direction of God's love. It's toward us. That's something that we do well to, to think about. That God directs his love to us. Who are undeserving and unworthy to receive that love. And so sometimes there's the declaration of the love, the direction of the love, the demonstration of God's love. And no greater demonstration of the love of God than there at Calvary. And the believer ought often to be at Calvary to dwell upon that greatest of all demonstrations of the love of God when he gave his only begotten Son when he delivered him up for us all. And so you can see there are declarations of God's love. There's the direction of God's love. There's the demonstration of God's love. But in the passage we have read, it's the dimensions of God's love. Dimensions. It seems a strange thing that the apostle would speak about the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. Now, there are dimensions that we would think about in relation to material things. <coughs> Maybe you needed to purchase a new table for your home. Well, you wouldn't just blindly purchase a table for your home. You would want to know the length and the breadth and the depth and the height of that table and we would be used without the measurements. But here, the Apostle Paul is using these dimensions to refer to God's love, the breadth of it, the length of it, the depth of it, and the height of it. 
And as I thought about that this afternoon, I could see here the inspiration behind these dimensions. The Apostle Paul is writing here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, but we can trace the inspiration behind these dimensions when he refers to the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. They're cubic dimensions. There are different times in the Word of God when the Lord gives instructions concerning the construction of particular things, and the Lord gives the dimensions in relation to the tabernacle all of those different details that are given by the Lord to Moses and all of the measurements that are given there concerning the tabernacle. And there in the holiest of all, the holy of holies, you have the dimensions that would be given. Bible scholars would agree on the scale there and all of the details that are given that the holy of holies was 10 cubits by 10 cubits by 10 cubits. The length, the breadth, and the height. And therefore, including the floor, it would have formed a cube with six equal sides. And it was there within the Holy of Holies that the Lord's presence would be with his people. The Lord said, there will I meet with thee. There will I commune with thee. Between the cherubim above the mercy seat, there's the Lord. And it's within the length and breadth and height of that particular place, the holiest of all. Further on in the Bible, when Solomon came to build the temple, and what a magnificent building that would be, and he enlarged the size of the holiest of holies, and it was 20 by 20 by 20, the length, the breadth, and the height. And you would read of that in 1 Kings chapter 6 and the verse 16. He enlarged it, but the symmetry remained the same. It was still a cube. Then when you come to the end of the Bible in the book of the Revelation, and it's speaking about the celestial city. And it's speaking about the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. That celestial city is spoken of in Revelation chapter 21. And there in the verse 16, it says, And the city lieth four square, four square, the length, the breadth, the depth, and the height. And so you can see from the inspired record that this pattern This detail follows right through to the new Jerusalem and the city lieth four square and the length is as large as the breadth and he measured the city with the reed 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And so you can see it's enlarged upon 
again, but the symmetry remains. It is giving that picture of the cube, the cubic dimensions, the six equal sides. What's the significance? What does it symbolize for us here? Well, it's speaking about that which is perfect. And it's referring us to the perfection of the Lord. And whenever the Apostle Paul refers to the love of God that is in Christ, and he speaks about its breadth and its length and its depth and its height, he's speaking about the perfect love of God. And therefore we can see behind the words of the Apostle here the inspiration the inspiration behind these dimensions. But then I want you to further see that we have the instruction behind these dimensions because they're given to us by way of instruction. There are certain things here that we would learn about the love of God when we think about the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. Think about the breadth of God's love. What instruction is there there? Well, right away I note the order. That the breadth is given first. If I was going to measure something, and then I would pass those measurements on, we'll always put the length first. The length and the breadth, and then maybe the height. But here the breadth is put first. Paul starts with the breadth. You see, spiritually, whenever you hear of God's love, maybe there's the sinful soul that's hearing of God's love and they're brought under conviction of their sin. There's a question that will arise within their heart when they hear of the love of God in Christ Jesus under conviction that sinful, undeserving and unworthy soul is going to say, is it wide enough for me? Is it wide enough to take me in? Is it wide enough to include me? Thank God when we come to the breadth of God's love, we can say it's wide enough. It's wide enough. Then you think about the length, the length of God's love. To what length does that love go? If we were to ask the question, how far does that love go in the sense of Christ's suffering? And you think of all that the Lord Jesus Christ endured since he ever entered into this world when he took on flesh, despised and rejected of men. How far will that love go? To what length will that love go? That love would take the Savior right to Calvary. There upon that center tree, as he pours out his life's blood in love. We hear the cry that goes up from the lips of the Savior, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The Son 
forsaken of the Father. To what length does this love go? We could not measure it. It's immeasurable. It's a matchless love. In terms of duration, how long does this love go? The length of it, how long does it endure? Well, we can say forever, forever. We've been loved with an everlasting love. We were singing about that tonight. When you think of the instruction that there is behind these dimensions, the breadth of God's love, it's it's wide enough. And the length of God's love, the length that the Lord went to when he delivered up his own son for us all, the length of that love in the sense that it's an everlasting love, it's a love that will never end. And then the verse speaks about the depths of that love. To what depths will that love go? Well, think again of that soul. Think of your own soul. That time before we were converted and born again of the Holy Spirit and we were so conscious of the sinfulness of our own hearts. And an individual perhaps who's deep down in sin plumbed the depths of depravity right down there as far as they can go. Is the love of Christ deep enough to reach them? Thank God tonight that love is deep enough. You think of the thief that was there hanging beside the Savior upon Calvary. The thief that stood condemned by his fellow man and the thief that stood guilty before Almighty God. The one who had lived that life of sin, but he was not beyond the reach of the love of God. And when he said to the Lord, remember me, remember me. God's love was able to reach down, reach down into the depths. The love of God that can lift the beggar from the dunghill. The breadth of it, the length of it. The depth of it. But what about the height of God's love? Just having thought momentarily about the depths of God's love, if God's love is able to reach down so far into the depths and lift up that sinful soul, how high can it go? Think again of that penitent thief when he said, Remember me. When thou comest into thy kingdom, the Lord said to him, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. The love of God that can lift the soul from the depths and the depravity of sin and can lift them to the very highest heaven. That's the love of God that the Apostle Paul is meditating upon here. From man's lowest right up to God's highest, the instruction that there is for us behind these dimensions. But then the intention behind these dimensions. 
the intention of the Apostle Paul mentioning them is the fact that he was in prayer. And as we indicated by way of introduction, he was praying that God's people would know that love, that they would be able to comprehend with all saints the the breadth and length and depth and height. And then he said in verse 19, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. You could never fully comprehend the love of Christ. It is an infinite love, an immeasurable love. But the intention of the Apostle Paul was that God's people would experience that love and would meditate upon that love and would know the love of God within their heart. In the end of verse 19, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. That brings out the intention behind those dimensions. That as you dwell and meditate upon the love of Christ, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And remember, Paul is referring here to the inner man and having that, that love within. We mentioned at the start about that love toward us, and there's times whenever the Bible speaks about that love uh, coming in the direction of us. But it's not just so much the love of God towards us or the love of God demonstrated to us. What the apostle is referring to here is God's love in us. In us. That's what the Savior prayed for at the end of his great high priestly prayer. In John 17 and the verse 26, the Savior praying said, And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. There's the Savior praying for the love of God to be in God's people, to be in us. And therefore the prayer of the Savior And the prayer of the Apostle Paul is with that desire and with that intention that we would know the love of God within us. And the more we dwell upon that love and the more we abide in that love, the more we will be filled with all the fullness of God. Oh, to be filled with the fullness of God. Sometimes I've used the illustration of the straw waste paper basket. And if you were to take the straw waste paper basket and put it into the sea and fill it up and lift it, it will soon drain. Oh, it can be filled, but the water will drain out of it. How can we have that basket remaining full? Well, if it was to remain in the sea in the great ocean, then that basket would always be filled. And when we think about the great ocean of God's love, the way we can know the fullness of the love of Christ is to dwell and to abide in that great ocean of his love. 
believer, dwell much on the love of God. John chapter 3 and the verse 16, it really gives us those dimensions as well. And you could go through John 3.16 thinking about those dimensions. God so loved the world. That's the breadth of his love, the world. Wide enough for the whole world. That he gave his only begotten son. There's the length of that love. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. There's the depth of that love, but have everlasting life. There's the height of that love. Let us dwell upon that love. Let us even tonight pray in our season of prayer that the love of God would come afresh to our hearts tonight and that we would be filled with all the fullness of God.